Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Cassandra Dunbar, mom of two boys, five and one and a half. We all know that all pregnancies, births, and postpartum journeys are different, and that's no different even for a birthing parent with multiples. Cassandra will be sharing how she and her husband navigated having a pretty uneventful birth of her first son at 39 weeks and four days, and then with their second, finding out after the birth that she had suffered a placental abruption. We will also have the pleasure to discuss her work through Be Well Sis podcast, where she dives into the intricacies of Black maternal health and wellness. Hello, Cassandra. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. We are always excited for our storytellers, but even like there's an extra layer of excitement when we have other, um, you know, podcast family. So yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So can you first start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Oh, sure. Absolutely. So I am mom of two boys. Like you said, I've been with my husband for coming up on eight years now. My oldest son is five. My youngest is one and a half. Um, we're from the Northeast. We currently live in Charlotte right now. Um, yeah, we're a pretty small family, tight knit family. I'm an only child, so my kids don't have any really cousins or aunts and uncles from me, but my husband comes from a really big family. So they get the extended family experience um, from my husband's side. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. We're pretty <laughs> run of the mill, you know, kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> never boring. Life is never boring with children. You know, so <laughs> You are so right. So, so right. It's always something, especially when you have two boys. It's like no day is ever the same. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, we always say that when, especially people who have multiple stories kind of like run into each other, but can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancies? Oh yeah. So my first pregnancy was just perfect. Um, with my five-year-old, just, I mean, outside of like the morning sickness during my first trimester, besides that, it was just perfect. Just easy breezy. Um, starting at around, I want to say 37 weeks or so. Um, during my weekly appointments with my midwives, um, my cervix was, you know, dilating progressively. Um, they were hoping that he wouldn't come um, earlier than 37 weeks, but he came at 38 weeks. Everything was fine. The pregnancy and the delivery and labor went the way I wanted to. Um, I had wanted to actually have a natural childbirth, meaning with no medication or nothing, but I underestimated (laughs) the prep that I had to do. So by the time I was at the hospital and they're like, do you want anesthesiologist to um, give you the epidural? I was like, yes, please, like right now. So I had my epidural um, and it was easy peasy. Um, Nothing out of the ordinary. With my second, things were a little bit different. Um, my again, the actual pregnancy went normal. There was a, I say normal, um, meaning I didn't have any high blood pressure. My blood sugar was normal within normal limits. Um, I was gaining weight, quote appropriately. You know, like the standard twenty five pounds. Um, right. 
I tried my best to stay active because with my first pregnancy, I was completely lazy and I felt like I didn't like the way my body felt when I delivered him afterwards. Mm. So I'm like, you know what, let me just help myself out a little bit by trying to be as active as possible in hopes that my postpartum recovery is a little bit better than with the first. So I was as active as I could be. Like I would use my exercise ball, I would walk, some squats, you know, nothing. I, I wasn't Miss Fitness, but you know, I tried my best. <laughs> Um, so I want to say when I was around like the six month mark, um, with uh, my second, I had like a really strange, like sensation. I remember I was working at the time I worked from home and I was sitting at my desk and it was a stressful day. I had a stressful conversation. And so I was just sitting there thinking about the conversation I had just had. And I felt like, for lack of a better word, I felt like he had a seizure in my stomach. Like, the wow. shakes were really violent. Nothing that I experienced with my previous pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hmm, that was interesting. And I was waiting for it to happen again, and it didn't happen again. So I had happened to have my, um, my midwife um, appointment that same week or the following week. And I told her what had happened. And she was like, hmm. She's like, has it happened again? I'm like, nope, this happened that one time, but like it really concerned me. She's so she did like all the tests. His heart tones were fine, heart rate was great, I was growing appropriately. She's like, I don't see anything. So, you know, you might be under a little bit of stress, might be a little bit um, paranoid because I am that person, especially when I'm pregnant. I'm just always thinking of all the things and I hate that about myself, but that's my honesty. Like, I just. Yeah. yeah. I get in my mind. <laughs> it's <lot>. easy. <laughs> yeah. Easy to do. Yeah. So I got progressed throughout my pregnancy. By the time I was around 35 weeks, I started to get concerned because nothing was happening. Um, my cervix was completely closed and throughout my, um, my checkups, nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. So by week 37, I'm like, what is going on? Because at this point they were ready for my first to come and I, and I get that they're two different children, but I couldn't help but compare. So right. I was assuming that he would come even faster than my first. Right. And when nothing was happening and they were getting ready to put me on the list to go to the hospital, because my plan was to um, deliver at a birthing center this time around. Okay. I should rewind a little bit. With this pregnancy, <laughs> I said, I want to have an unmedicated delivery and I got a doula. So that was a difference. So I met this woman, um, her name is Fameta Darling. She's here in Charlotte. She is just amazing. She's an incredible woman. From when I first found her on the website, something about like her vibe <laughs> through her website, I was like, I want to talk to her. So I got in touch with her, like maybe my second trimester, very early on. And um, we, she came over, we met, we taught. I love her energy, her vibe, just very warm, very... She was knowledgeable um, in childbirth and pregnancy, but just also very like nurturing and just, Mm -hmm. she just fit very well with our family. She met my son the first time and he was like really into her. Like he just clung to her and was asking her questions and he wanted to know what's going on. And she was very just engaging with him. Yeah. Um, And every time I had like a midwife appointment, she wanted to know what happened, how I'm doing. She became pretty much my, um, 
my pregnancy best friend. Yeah, like, yeah. She wanted to know everything. If I didn't, if I felt uncomfortable telling like my friend something that was happening, or even my husband because he didn't get it, I'd call her, I'd text her, and she would always like have a solution for me or just just an ear, just to make me feel better about whatever yeah. I'm experiencing, because I was always in my head, right? <laughs> So fast forward to when um, I had, um, they're actually going to place me on the list to deliver at the hospital because the plan was me to deliver at a birthing center this time as well. So they wanted to put me on the list because they weren't hopeful that he would come on time. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was born around Christmas time. So Christmas between the weather and just how things are, they wanted to be on a list so that way the their affiliated OBGYN could Got see it. me and possibly have on the C-section list. Got it. So I was getting nervous. I'm like, I really don't want that. Like, if it has to be that, that's fine. Um, I, I just want him to be healthy. But I'm like, I really want to push him out naturally, if possible. So, um, and I felt something just wasn't right. I just didn't, I felt uneasy. So that the, the week of the, my 30th week, or maybe it was my 39th week appointment, it was, yes. I go to my midwife at the birthing center, and she's like, girl, ain't nothing happening. You are still completely closed. I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, she's like, I'm sorry. I'm going to call my colleagues to give them a heads up about you and send your file over to, to them just in case, you know. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, they gave me like a non-stress test for him to see if he, how he's doing, he was fine. I asked for them to have an, another ultrasound because I'm like, I just want to make sure that he's okay. And they're like, well, there's nothing indicating it. There's nothing medically like indicative for us to give you an ultrasound. But I was like, I really just want one, please. Yeah, yeah. So they listened to me and they finally sent me over to their OBGYN partner and I had the ultrasound. Ultrasound, again, was he looks fine. He's actually sleeping because one of my concerns was that he was a little bit quieter the mm. days leading up. I did all the things I, I squatted, I went for a walk, I drank juice, I did all the things that I normally would wake him up a little bit, and he wasn't waking up for me. Mm-hmm. So during the ultrasound, they said, yeah, he's fine, he's resting, heart is good, his tone is good, head, belly, everything, circumference looks good. They're like, he's going to come when he's going to come. I'm like, okay, fine. So that was, let's say, Friday night, Thursday night, excuse me. That was Thursday night. I come home all like sad, like feeling bad for myself for no reason. (laughs) Um, I go to bed. That was Friday night. Excuse me. I go to bed. And at this point, me and my husband are sleeping in separate bedrooms because I just feel like it's a twin size, not twin, a queen size bed. Like I'm big as hell. I don't want anybody near me. I'm hot. Like just go sleep somewhere else. I'm on the same page with you. Yes. (laughs) I kicked him out real early too. I think. By the time I was like five months pregnant, I'm just like, get your own room. Like, I don't want to be near you. Like, you're you're always hot. I'm always hot. Please. I need all the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, um, so that night, um, I eat my dinner, go to bed by myself, watch a movie, fall asleep. I wake up at around midnight. And I'm just like, hmm, I feel some pain. I'm like, maybe let me just drink some water. Because it can't be that I'm in labor because they said I was completely closed. <laughs> So I'm like, let me drink some water. I'm dehydrated today. So I drink some water, go back to bed, fall asleep for like maybe like 10 minutes, wake back up with the same pain. So I'm like, so now I'm like, let me just stay up. So I start like, they start coming consistently. And about half an hour 
um, into that by myself. I go wake up my husband. I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure I think something's happening. He's like, okay. He's like, let me time them. So he's timing them. He's like, yeah, they're coming consistently. Let me go ahead and call for Meta. So he calls her. was like, she's, um, I'm pretty sure it's happening right now. I had called her and told her the news that nothing was happening. So she's just like, hmm. I mean, she was completely closed hours ago. Are we sure? <laughs> and then he's like, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a, a doula. He's like, but she's like on all fours. She can barely talk. And this is, they're coming like about two minutes apart at this point. Can you please come over? She's like, okay. This At this point, it's around three in the morning. Mm-hmm. So she gets ready. She comes over. She lives across town from me. She comes over. And by the time she comes over, I'm like in a haze because the pain is intense. I felt like my back was breaking with every contraction. Yeah. And this is the first time doing it unmedicated. So I'm like, well, this is normal. This is what we go through. Okay. Yeah. So when she comes into my bedroom, I remember I went all fours in front of my couch and I just look at her to acknowledge her, but I'm... I'm just in outer space. I, I can't even explain how I felt. Um, and I'm not sure how long she was there, just with me rubbing my back and just like mm-hmm. talking to me. I get up and I said, I have to, um, I'm wearing pants at this point. And I said, something, I need to take off my pants. She's like, yeah, take them off. So I take them off and I'm like, let me feel. So I felt and I felt something protruding. And I panic. I'm like, oh my God, I feel something. She's like, what do you feel? I'm just like, I don't know. So I, I rearranged myself so she can look. And she looks, she's like, okay, it's not the baby, but the bag is protruding. So at this point, my husband's in the shower. He was getting ready to shower so that he can drive over to the birthing center. So she calls him and she's just like, um, Dorian, her bag is it's hanging out. So we got to go. So he's like, her, excuse me. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you know, the baby might be born like right here. When she says that, I was on all fours and I like rolled over to, and I just like sat over my legs. I'm just like, I'm like, all right, let's let it happen. And he looked at me. He's like, the fuck we are? He's like, I'm not ready to, to, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. He's like, <laughs> yes, you guys can figure out how to birth the baby. But he's like, I can't take her baby when baby gets here. He's like, I don't like that. So he's like, fuck that. I all heard him say fuck that like at least 10 times. And he's like, I'm calling out one. So he calls 911. And at this point, I go back into my haze because I'm in so much pain. Next thing I know, there are about 10 men in my bedroom. So we have EMTs and firefighters, and they're discussing what's going to happen because they see the bag, okay? <laughs> and they're like, all right, so we're doing it right here? And then Jordan's like, no, we're not. We're, going, we're leaving. We're going downtown. <laughs> so um, get me on the stretcher, going downtown, go to the hospital. That was like my backup plan just in case things didn't go right. I was already registered there anyway. So we go to the hospital. I remember the girl during, I guess, registration was like, she's not pushing, is she? And I looked at her and I shook my head, no. So they're like, good. So let's put her in triage. So they bring me to triage. They're really busy that night. So the triage nurse was by herself. Normally they go in by two, apparently, but she was by herself. So she's like, okay, let me just check um, how you're doing. Let's see how far you are. And while I'm doing this, do you want me to call the anesthesiologist too? At this point, so my back is about to break. I'm just like, yes, please. Call the anesthesiologist. I, I want epidural. So she goes ahead and she checks me. And she's like, okay, you're about eight centimeters. She takes her hand out. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I have to push, right? Something about her taking her hand out, just, it was like, all right, it has to happen. So she's like, okay, girl. She's like, so I'm like, let me roll over. So I roll over to my side, lift up my leg, and the baby comes out. Wow. And... I was so relieved from all the pain that I just like melted into the bed. 
my husband was with me and he's like looking at the baby and's like, come on, boy, come on, boy, come on, baby. And then she, the, I look, then I look at the baby, the baby is as white as a ghost. And I look at the nurse, the nurse looks at the baby, cuts the cord, takes the baby, takes off running. And I'm like, I don't know what happened. So, cause I'm still like not really here. Mm-hmm. So then Dorian's like, oh my God. And like follows her like to figure out where to see my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, um, my placenta detached early. So I have placental abruption. In the midst of that, he had um, meconium aspiration. And I had a true knot um, in my umbilical cord. So we weren't sure how long he hadn't had oxygen, which is why when I finally did see him again, they lifted up his arm and it was completely limp. And he was trying his best to like do like a little struggle cry, but it wasn't like real. It was like a, "Eh." and he just looked just terrible. Baby looked like he had one foot in the grave. Um, So then the pneumatologist came, they met with us and they said, this is what happened. Um, we're going to try a new protocol that's still kind of new, um, new to our facility here. What we're going to do is we're going to put him into a medically induced coma and we're going to drop his body temperature to, I think to about 97.5 degrees or something around that, um, around that range to see if we can preserve, um, brain function. Cause what happens is when the, when you lose oxygen, the reaction is that your brain swells. And now if your brain swells, especially at, at any time, actually, if your brain swells, it can cause further brain damage because there's nowhere for it to go within the skull. Right. So they're trying to prevent that and preserve whatever they could for him. So we did that for um, three days. And during those three days, it was just hell. Um, just not knowing if it was going to work. Um, and he had all types of stuff happening. Like he was bleeding out. Um, like he, his blood wouldn't clot. So he had to get plasma transfusions and blood transfusions. His ear was bleeding at one point. So we're like, okay, so he's probably going to um, be hard of hearing. So we, we're going to learn sign language. I'm like, no, no big deal. We'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't sure it, how bad the brain damage was. So we're thinking we're going to probably, um, just all the things that we would need, like we're just racing, like we're going to need all the things. They hadn't, they didn't know what to tell us. And the fact that the, Neonatologist that first night was like, you know, if you believe in God, I'm going to need for you to pray. Like for a medical professional to tell you to pray and not to rely on their science is, is a lot. Right. And right. yeah, um, it was just tough. And I was trying my best to, um, I have an older son and it was around Christmas and I wanted to make sure that Christmas was still Christmas for him. So when I was discharged from the hospital, I was trying to go back and forth and try to balance as much as I could. Um, my five-year-old at the time, he was, yeah, he was four at the time, super intuitive kid. Just, you don't have to tell him something is not right. He can sense something's not right. Yeah. So when he came to the hospital to see me and he couldn't see his brother, he felt he was upset. Then when I came home with no brother, he's like, all right, like, stop playing with me. Like, what's going on? Right. (laughs) Um, he pretty much just like fell apart when I came home without his brother because he had still hasn't seen him in three days now. And he just, it was just a, a really rough juggling act. And then I'm running back and forth, um, to, I was pumping to bring the milk over to them, make sure they have enough milk, um, 
trying to take care of myself as best as I could, but really, I didn't really care about myself. I just wanted to make sure that like my babies were okay. Right. One that was far away and the one that was in the house who could still feel that something's just not right. You know, um, fast forward, he's a year and a half now and he is just a miracle. He, we, he's just a miracle. We were anticipating so many things for him and all of, we had a bunch of specialist appointments that we had to meet, especially the first six months. To, so we saw a neurologist because he had seizures as well while he was in the hospital. Um, and he had a behavioral, um, behavioral therapist to make sure that he met all of his milestones, behavioral specialist, excuse me. And they both have discharged him and were like, honestly, we know what happened based off of his chart, but looking at him developmentally and everything, you'd have no idea. Like he's just a miracle. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, I'm sorry. I'm super long-winded. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's not long-winded. I asked a question and you answered it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about, did they make any, like after, you know, you said that you, you felt like you like he had a seizure when he was in the womb did you have any and i know like you were going and getting like checkups and everything like were there any other sim- like bleeding or anything i'm just thinking about like Nothing. symptoms of placental abruption and- right wow right so i had no symptoms whatsoever the only time i bled was actually during delivery yeah. um or during labor excuse me and it was very, a very little bit. We had a towel underneath while I was at home and laboring. And we just thought it was while I was like progressively like dilating. It was just that show of blood. It wasn't right. a lot at all. It wasn't alarming to myself or to the midwife. Yeah. I'm sorry, to the, um, my doula at all. It was trace amount of blood. Like, yeah. um, so nothing like my blood pressure was good the whole time. I try to stay active. I, I don't do any drugs. Like, yeah, yeah. All you of ask the, for the extra ultrasound. Like, I'm just, yes. thinking, you know, like how in tune you were to like, something feels off. I'm going right. to do all of these things to make sure everything's okay. Everything's coming mm-hmm. up, but, but go, okay. And then still, mm-hmm. you know, um, I mean, we say it all the time. Like we really have no control over our births and our experiences, which makes it easy to go down the rabbit hole of, thinking all the things that could yeah. go wrong but mm-hmm. every time i hear a birth story and somebody shares we're just like it is not in our hands <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah it's not absolutely. in our hands it's not in our hands um go ahead and this time around another thing that i did differently that took a birthing class i was so intent on um, delivering vaginally and unmedicated that I took a birthing class so that was offered by the birthing center. Um, and one thing that the birthing instructor, I'm not sure if that's the caller, but <laughs> um, yeah. she wanted to really get the point across is that, you know, all you want, the, the outcome that you all want, forget if you want to have unmedicated, medicated, C-section, what you want at the end of the day is to bring your baby home. And however that happens, like just surrender to the process. And I'm so happy that I had that class and I met her because I'm a a controlled person, right? 
and I feel that I would have such a, a harder time with everything in the moment and just dealing with him while he was the NICU if I hadn't had that thought to just, I just want to bring my baby home, you know, what, whatever that looks like, whatever they need to do and I need to do to make that happen and to surrender to that process. Right. And that's such an important statement and such a true statement. Like going back to like, we really, it's not in our hands. Like, and we tell, Mm -hmm. you know, Danielle and I, when we work with our families all the time, we're preparing, but this is going to change. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Yes. Every single part of your birth plan is going to shift in some way. So this is just prep to like, so that there's, there's something that we can lean on but it's going to change. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm so happy that I heard it and I accepted it. Cause it's, it's easy to like hear things and be like, yeah, okay. Right. But like, I like internalize that. Like right. it, it's not going to go how I want it to go, but it's, and that's okay. Right. Know? Right. And, and I think that's a lot like parenting in general. Like my journey has been that, you know, I have an idea of what it's going to be like to be a parent and I have an idea of what my kids are going to be like. These kids are A, very different mm-hmm. and B, very different from me. So, yes. yes, yes. And it's so true. You know, I actually just recently saw something about that. Like our children experience us as different parents and have a different childhood, even if they live in the same home because they're two completely yes. different people. And when we think about our, our first kid and the kid after that, we're also different parents. Yes. So we have to treat it as its own experience. Like, yes, we're laying the fo- same foundation for all of our children in the same way, but it's mm-hmm. going to be received and handled differently. And we have to recognize that and be able to make those shifts. That's like so yes. true. Yes. Absolutely. Uh. I, I feel like if one thing that um, just, especially the second delivery and being a parent has taught me is to be flexible. Like mm-hmm. that's just been my, my key word um, to myself, like, girl, be flexible. Um, because right. I have an idea of things, even something that's so small as to how our day is going to go. Like I right. have my schedule right. and these kids don't give a damn about my schedule. No, like, they don't care about it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're no. going to do this Pinterest activity. We're going to eat lunch at this time. They're like, this Pinterest activity is stupid. I'm not going to do it. And then you're right. like, right. the yep. whole day is ruined. A hundred percent, yes. <laughs> but going back to your birth, I was laughing so hard in my head thinking about your husband being like, um, both of y'all tripping, we go into the hospital. Yep. <laughs> Yep, he was not playing. And I feel bad talking to him. Um, he he was so hesitant to be so firm because he knew what my my birth plan was. And he's like, I didn't want to fuck it up for you. I didn't want to mess that up for you. But he's like, I just knew I could not step in if I needed to step in. And I'm like, babe, I 100% would not change anything. And I'm so grateful that his daddy instinct stepped in and was like, we're not doing this here. because. I live 30 minutes from downtown. 30 minutes is a long time if you're not breathing. You know what I mean? And this, I'm yeah. so grateful that you you were headstrong and you 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 led. Yeah. I'm happy. And that I was is, in a position to lead. Right. Know? And I and that is such an important role, I think, as a partner. And also like when we think about the type of advocacy that we need in birth, like there are moments where as an advocate, you kind of have to be like this. Mm-hmm. Is, 
doesn't make sense for what we're ultimately trying to do. And if I'm going right. to be able to support you, it needs to work for all of us. Yes. And he felt that. And I just, that like was just wonderful to hear. Cause I do, I do think, especially with partners, there's this like emotional part of it where you're like, I don't want to disappoint my partner. Uh-huh. I don't want to make them upset, but it's also an experience for them. Yes. And we want them to be as active and important as, as possible and make sure that, you know, like they're able to take care of you. And that means like addressing their fears and their concerns. Mm-hmm. And he was like, y'all playing with me, this ain't gonna work. Right. <laughs> you had surrendered, but he was like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. So, so grateful. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, and you talked a little bit about your postpartum, but can you, you know, elaborate a little bit on that? And then, you know, the postpartum piece of when um, your second child was finally home, like, what was that transition like? Oh, that was a blur. Okay, so postpartum was rough. Um, Honestly, it's because I was on eggshells. One of my concerns, I remember specifically speaking to the discharge nurse and then I called the neurologist when it was time for us to go home with him I was so excited that they're like you know what he's doing great and we're confident that he can be discharged let's say tomorrow I was happy and terrified all at once because I'm like what if this child has a seizure and it's the middle of the night I'm by myself I'm barely awake I'm just trying to feed him and he seizes on me you know what I mean so I had a ton of anxiety just because of that. So bring him home. So I was on eggshells for the first, honestly, the first six months, I was just stressed. Just, I was waiting for the ball to drop. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, I was breastfeeding and I had a plan to breastfeed for the entire year. Cause with my first, I breastfed for maybe, maybe three months total. And I supplemented at that point too. Mm-hmm. With my second, um, I spoke to the neonatologist and they're like, we would really prefer, you know, do what you want to do, but we really would prefer that you breastfeed him um, to make sure that his gut flora is good because he's had so many drugs yeah. and all this stuff. Let's try to make sure we can get his, rebuild his his gut flora. Like, try your best to breastfeed. We'll give you these things to take home, these formulas to take home just in case, but Please breastfeed. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? If they say breastfeed, I'm a breastfeed. Plus I had to plan. That was my plan anyway to try yeah. to do as long as possible. So I latched him. He did great. My first son was a little bit different. He was like a rabid dog. <laughs> <laughs> he did great. My second did great. Like he was, he, he latched great. I, the pain was a lot for me. Um, his latch was fine. But I'm not sure if it's like mental or what, but I just did not like him on my breast. So I was pumping. Pumping involved the whole family because I have to step away. I have to pump. Like I have to prep. I have to pump. So now I can't be with either of them properly because I'm strapped to this machine. Because for the first few months, I had the hospital grade one. Um, Strapped to this machine. I'm sitting in in this chair. So I can't, I'm useless pretty much. All I can do is pump. So the whole family had to step in. So thank God my mother lives with us. My mother has been just everything. Yeah. It truly takes a village if you're going to do all the things, honestly. Um, so between the pumping and just that every two hours and three hours in the beginning, 
that was just a lot because if I'm not pumping, I'm literally changing his diaper or actually giving him the milk that I expressed or whatever it is, or making sure that I have time with my other child. Right. I had no time for myself and I tried to be there for my husband as much as I could. I mean, he's a really good father. So he understands that, especially at that stage, the kids absolutely come first. So he really didn't ask much of me, but I knew that I had to try to have some type of relationship with him too. Um, mm-hmm. So I was giving to everything and everyone and nothing to myself. And I just, by the fourth month, I was like, I can't go on like this anymore. I got to the point where I'd go to sleep at night and just pray that I didn't wake up. And I thought to myself, like, girl, this is, this is not normal. Like, yeah. like, this is not normal. So I had a therapist that I had stopped seeing her um, just because of work. And um, I just couldn't manage it just in terms of, I shouldn't say that. I didn't prioritize it. Mm. Um, so I stopped mm. seeing her. Yeah, I didn't make her a priority. So I stopped seeing her. I called her and I was like, girl, I'm falling apart. So she's like, come on, come on back. Come on home. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> just the, so when we spoke, she's like, okay, so you're doing A through Z every day. Okay, so where do you fit in? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I ain't got time. She's like, no, you have to make time. Um, so postpartum was terrible because I didn't make time for myself <laughs> in yeah. a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I know our listeners probably get so tired of us saying this, but we go make it into a mantra, I think you know, postpartum is forever. And, um, yeah, I think that first half, you know, you worked through the ebb and flow and now you're in a a rhythm of like making sure that all the pieces align. So, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. And I mean, that just, that's, that is a lot. Um, you know, pumping Mm -hmm. is its own beast, like you mm-hmm. said, it is like an all hands on deck, even with the like pumping bras that are like made, yes. that you, all of it. It's still like you're strapped to something trying to navigate, yes. you know, they have the new one so that you can like stick in your bra and it just be a thing. But I'm like, yeah, um, so I actually got one that I love and I will recommend to everybody. It's the Baby Buddha. Well, I haven't heard they of that one. They get sales. Yeah, it's called My Baby Buddha. They have sales um, periodically. So I got mine, I think, for like 30% off. And it's a, around maybe $150 with the, um, with the sale. Okay. And I think last time I looked at their website, they were working towards being accepted by the insurance company. So it would be one of the options, like a Modella. Yes. It's so good. It is small, about the size of a cell phone. Stop. And that thing is powerful. It was the same grade as like the hospital grade Modella, my expressions were crazy. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like in 10 minutes, I was getting like a full, like 20 minutes worth that I would get with like the hospital grade one. Wow. We will so definitely good. make sure to put that in the, um, the yeah. show notes. Um, but then I also, I was thinking about when you said, you know, nursing was somewhat painful for you. And, you know, we always say that nursing should never actually hurt. But there is, and I'm not going to get deep into it because that's a whole nother, you know, a separate conversation, Mm -hmm. but like there are just some people who have an aversion and there's also just a hormonal shift that causes it to be sometimes more painful for other people. So 
there's a whole yeah. layer. Like, you know, I think we have this misconception all the time of like, n- like breastfeeding just, or chest feeding or nursing just comes like naturally. And there's like, there's a lot of factors into that to make sure that it's something that yeah. works for both you and baby. Um, and, and honestly, I felt like, um, like kind of like some kind of freak of nature. I'm just like, why is this so bad for me? Cause I, had him latch with my doula because she was awesome postpartum too. So she visited me, I think, for like a good three weeks um, postpartum as well. Um, so I'm like, are we sure he he's latched properly? She's like, yeah, his latch is perfect. And she like showed me how to know if like mm-hmm. there's enough space and if he's latched on. And she's like, yeah, he's doing good. It's like this is excruciating. She's like, it should feel uncomfortable maybe for like a first like ten seconds or thirty seconds maybe. I'm just like the whole time I am not okay. Yeah. She's like, hmm. So I'm just like something. I felt just like a freak. And then I looked up online, like you know, if anybody else experiences this too, and no. I'm like, all right, well, something's wrong with me. Oh. <laughs> like, no. I'm, just pump, I'm just pumping silence like by myself. <laughs> Nobody gets it. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Yeah, we need to we need to talk. We just need to talk more in general. Thus the creation mm-hmm. of podcasts and being able to have a platform. Um, and then, so that leads like perfectly into Be Well Sus. Can you tell us a bit about that and what you're doing with, with your podcast? Yes. Um, so Be Well Sus is a wellness podcast specifically for Black women. Um, generally, we are left out of the conversations of wellness. And I wanted a space where we are centered and where um, women with different experiences and expertise can come and just, we just feed each other. Um, yeah, I, I'm so, I've been thinking about this for so long and I finally like forced myself to actually do it. And I feel I, it's been such a good part of my own like self-care journey in a way, because I get to speak to such incredible yeah. women who are doing just great things like for their communities. And it's just, it's just refreshing because I'm a homebody. I'm an introvert. I don't, I don't really see people. <laughs> But it gives the opportunity to like <laughs> to speak to women who just have great stories and just have something to share and help let let's help each other and and I'm just I'm so grateful for it. Um, yeah. My background is that I'm a medical doctor by trade, and I did not practice medicine because I was burnt out even before practicing medical school. Wow. Like just chewed me up, spit me out. And I got pregnant my, um, with my first, my, um, last year of school. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to have my baby and I'm going to get myself a nine to five. (laughs) So I worked in healthcare administration. So all the decisions behind like about how hospitals run and whatnot, I would do that. Um, and that got stale and I feel like I wanted to do something where I talk about so I speak to what I know, but there's just a, a bigger, there's so much missing in terms of modern medicine. We only see the illness. We never see the actual whole person. Yep. So my, what I want to do with Be Well Sis is just address us as like full beings, right. you know, and, right. and not only our disease process, but like where'd that come from? You know what I mean? Right. You know, absolutely. Like, absolutely. And I think that that, that, that idea of, um, 
only focusing on the disease and because of how maternity care has been shifted into the hospital, it's pregnancy and maternity is viewed as another illness, sickness, rather than yes. like something that is just happening yes. that happens to our body. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. One of the reasons why I was very intentional on finding a midwifery practice when I was pregnant with both of them is because during my time in medical school, when I spent time with the OBGYNs, when they would have a pregnant, um, a pregnant patient who just had plain plain pregnancy, no hypertension, no diabetes, no other comorbidities, we'll call them. Um, it was just like, uh, when we're prepping to go into that patient's room. It's just like, uh, I mean, nothing going on here. Like, let me see what I can find. If I can't find anything, like, all right, next. Like, let's, and I get it. Like, they're brilliant and they have, like, they're, they're trained surgeons as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of the people who went into OBGYN like the surgical aspect of it. Yeah. Um, so when there is no surgery, it's like, all right, like I'm not going to spend that much time on the patient's been going on. So I wanted to go to a midwife because that's, that is what you do, you know? Right. Right. Like, right. Because it's still like, it's still an experience. It's still something like, I feel yes. like when you just explaining to that, it made me think of like, well, what happened to treating the person? Like, yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah. like you completely yeah. forgot that this is like a, an experience, a pivotal experience in someone's life that you still right. need to be there to support and care for. Right. And, and, and I, like I said, I, I worked with like incredible um, OBGYNs. Like if there yeah. was something happening with me or a loved one, I would hundred percent recommend them to those people. But I see how they, they look at just a pregnancy. It's just, it's just a pregnancy. It's right. not. It's an actual full human growing inside another full human. I mean, like, a whole let's human, not y'all. undermine that. A whole human. Right. Every time Chris is like, <laughs> oh, you're having that. a baby. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm having mm-hmm. a human. I grew up yes. with a person with fingernails and yes. skin and a brain. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And, and just thinking about all it takes to to... To, for that whole human to form and how everything just must be timed right down to like the minutes. Yes. And just to just undermine that as just a pregnancy Bruh. is just, I'm like, no, that's not for me. That's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then to put the, the cherry on the cake, like the cake, I'm, the human comes out of me. Like mm-hmm. y'all. Right. Right. A whole human with a head and toes and fingers slides out of my vagina. Like, come on now. Serving food. Like it's traveling out of me. To me, I'm like, I want to be a part of that every day, you know? Like Yes. (laughs) And, And and another thing, the reason that I'm really um passionate about Be Well Sisters because our not only is our um, medical system fractured in that it doesn't see the whole human, I feel like especially as Black people, the medical industry system needs a, a huge overhaul because we're mm-hmm. not heard. Mm-hmm. And in, even in my experience, I'm telling you that something is just not right. And 
granted, I didn't have any like, <laughs> I didn't have any tangible evidence to supply you. But listen, if mama tells you that something's not right, believe mama, please. You know what I mean? And I feel that we are just the least heard. Mm-hmm. I asked myself, would I not have to have begged for an ultrasound? Because um, I was begging for weeks. Um, if I'd have gotten it at my first request, had I been white, would it be a little bit different? Mm-hmm. When the um, OB guy who had seen me um, at the ultrasound, he came in. He was like, you know, this thing going on. I don't want you to wait here because it was around Christmas time. So the waiting room was packed. He was like, you know, the text said everything looks good. Everything looks good. So you can go ahead. Everything is fine. He saw me at the hospital. And when I tell you, he looked like, what the fuck? He's like, he's like, how do we get here? I'm just like, y'all tell me, bro. You tell me. He's <laughs> like, and he literally was just, he sat on my bed and was just like shaking his head the whole time. Cause he was like, I just saw you. I just saw the ultrasound. Like what? And I was like, I don't know, bro. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but what I, I will say to anybody who's listening, if you're pregnant or, um, looking to conceive, trying to conceive, I don't want you to hear this horror story and think, oh my God, I want you to, to always trust yourself. I feel that when we get pregnant, something aren't in, like we have another sense that just kicks in. Mm-hmm. Trust it. You're not crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, trust it. Speak to somebody who is going to really listen to you and help guide your decisions. But trust it. You become a mama as soon as you become pregnant, mm-hmm. trust that sense forever and ever and ever. Yeah. 110%. Yeah. 110%. Yeah. You know, people will ask like, well, what type of stories do you have on the podcast? And I was like, you know, we really have a range of stories, but we always tell people to find the ones that connect with you in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's so important, like to really, um, I mean, and we've said this before too, when you're preparing for your birth, it should be the same way you prepare for any other big time life shift that you would have, buying a house, buying a car, moving, any of that. So you would research, you would, you know, look and listen to a a variety of people. And that's the same with the birth stories. Like this platform is here to, you know, collect and share and connect but it might not be the time for you to listen to this specific story, or it might not be the yeah. time for you to connect with maybe the, the birth piece. But like you said, the intuition piece, like that could be for you. It just has to be about really finding the parts that speak to what you're dealing with in the moment. Yes, yes, yes. I, I'm very mindful of um, when I'm speaking to people who are currently pregnant. I, 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 I don't give the full because... <laughs> Because in I, that I moment, they don't it. need, exactly. It's like, right. yes, Cassandra, your story is more than important, but I don't need to know about your mm-hmm. baby coming out and not breathing. Mm-hmm. That part I yes. don't need right, right. now. Now, right. maybe a couple months down the road when we're having a chat, right. we can go into full detail. And I think when people hear you say, well, people don't want to hear the horror stories. No, we're not saying we don't want to hear your story. We're just saying that there's a time and a place. Yes. That's yes. it. That's it. Yes. That's all we're saying. Because you're so right when you say you internalize that. You totally yeah. internalize it. 
And then you go down the rabbit hole of like, oh no, that's my story. And it's like, no, that's not your story. We have no idea what your story is because it hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so Mm -hmm. true. That is so true. (laughs) Well, is there anything else that you want to share with listeners, advice, resources? I mean, we will be, your podcast will be in the show notes, definitely a resource, but anything else (laughs) that you want to leave them with? Um, My main thing is just to please trust your intuition, trust your gut. Um, Even for women who have maybe miscarried, um, I feel like something changes the moment you you carry another life. You You have a heightened sense of something. So always trust your gut and you're not crazy. And just try to pay attention to your body. Um... That's, that's all I have to share. And yeah, <laughs> I hope I'm not so, um, so wordy. I apologize. No. I feel like I, I talk too much. No, stop <laughs> it. This is like conversations with your girls, you know, at brunch. We're pretending we're at brunch. Um, <laughs> I miss brunch. I know. Um, no, thank you so much for sharing. Um, you know, we always say that we are so honored to be able to hear people's experience because one, I mean, you know, sharing it in this way is that always, we always say takes courage to be able to do that. So we really are appreciative of that. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have an opportunity to talk to you and this was great. Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com.